0: We're at Pesachim, Tafsamech Bet 62. We are dealing with this interesting case of um, someone who uh, slaughters the Pesach sacrifice, but there's a problem with his intention. There's all kinds of different uh, ways that a person can have wrong intention. Some of them are valid, and some of them make the Pesach invalid. Uh, So we're continuing to talk about a case where he has intention that when I do the zirikah, when I sprinkle the blood, that will be for uncircumcised people. And this korban Pesach will atone for them as well, even though they're not part of the group and I cannot slaughter it for them, but I want it to be effectual when I sprinkle on their behalf that they can receive atonement, even though they're uncircumcised and cannot take part in a Pesach sacrifice. Is that okay or not? We have two opinions. Rabbah says it's valid. The reason is because uncircumcised people are not within the category of a korban Pesach. And therefore, it's like making a korban for Mickey Mouse, right? Mice cannot bring korban Pesach, and they're not real. So too, uncircumcised people, they are just not within the category. So I thought about something that is meaningless, and I could just ignore it. The however, says that it is invalid because even someone uncircumcised is potentially eligible, right? They can go get a circumcision. And therefore, even though in their current state, they cannot bring a Korban Pesach and in, uh, in, um, uh, potentially they could. And since they could, and I have them in mind, but in their current state, which is invalid there, therefore that intention has some effectuation and therefore that makes the korban invalid. We're looking for a proof for Rabah and Ravchista. Yesterday, Rabah br- tried to bring a proof for his own opinion from a long baraita. Uh, the baraita was comparing uncircumcised people to an impure person who tries to, who, uh, who to uh, if I have in mind impure people, some, pe- uh, some people that are impure, some are not, then the Qurban is valid or is uncircumcised more like uh, someone who has intention for pigul, to eat eat it past its uh, limit. Uh, So we went back and forth and we said, you know what? We're going to compare it to someone impure because of the word zot. Um, And that will prove that the uh, prohibition should be limited and therefore should be more lenient. That was the first proof by Ravah who uh, applied that brahita. We're going to come back to this brahita today but Rav Asher rejected both of these readings, um, and he saw the, the Zot is not extra, and so you need it for its place. Um, so we're going to look at Rav Asher's uh, in, uh, derivation, and then we'll go back to the Breitah and have a discussion over there regarding what kind of impurities are talking about, impurity of people or impurity of meat. And then we're going to talk about a miscategorization that's not on the 14th, and we'll end with a fantastic uh, story along Agada um, that uh, will be a lot of fun. Okay, so we begin here. Ella uh, Amadav so Ashe, who rejected the previous proof, says, These two opinions are actually have different interpretations of the following Pasuk. Regarding a Korbanola, says that the owner puts his hands on it that it will be acceptable for him on his behalf. So the word law means only for him. That means whoever brings it, whoever puts his hands on it and designates it as his, it will effectuate atonement for that person. But it cannot vicariously effectuate atonement for someone else. So if the coin has in mind the wrong person, no good. Now, Rabbah says it depends, it matters who he had in mind, who else he had in mind. The person who he had wrongly had in mind has to be someone who's similar to the owner. So I have to bring it. You, no, you, you are donated it, and you're within the category of someone who can donate it. Um, but I have in mind someone else who also was in the category of someone who could bring this korban. So if it's a korban Pesach, for example... Right, So I can bring korban Pesach, that's fine. But the uncircumcised person cannot bring a korban Pesach. There's no possibility for him. Therefore, even if I doing Shekita uh, has him in mind, since he's not in the category at all, so that statement is meaningless, and we can just ignore it. Therefore, according to Rabbah, the law means only someone similar to you, not someone who's uncircumcised. That person is out totally. So even if I have in mind that person, it's like having in mind that I'm doing this for uh, Mickey Mouse. It's okay. Rafhistan says that an uncircumcised person also, since he potentially would be eligible because he can go and he can fix himself and do circumcision. I mean, it might be dangerous for this person or whatever, but theoretically he could. So he's not categorically outside the realm of Pesach. Um, and therefore I can have, if I have him in mind, that I'm going to do the sprinkling, that the sprinkling will be on his behalf, that is a, um, a legally acceptable statement. Um, and therefore that will be on his behalf but it's not allowed to be on his behalf because he was not part of the group you brought the you brought this for circumcised people he cannot he cannot you cannot bring a qurban pesach for him since you see it's opposite right since he cannot since he um, since the statement is legitimate because he potentially could bring a qurban pesach therefore i had in mind someone who uh, else who is who potentially could bring qurban pesach But I'm not allowed to have him in mind, just like I can't have anyone else in mind who is uh, not currently uh, legitimate. That is Rav Chista. So basically, they both uh, agree with the pasuk. And they both agree that the pasuk says, you cannot bring it for someone else. The question is only, is that someone else? Is Nadel considered a real other person um, uh, or not? Rav Chista says it is because he applies the concept of ho'il, that potential is like, like actual. Even though he he's uncircumcised, potentially he would be circumcised, and therefore he is within the category. Okay, we saw this concept of ho'il before, and now we're going to bring it again. In fact, it was the subject, the subject of machloket between these two same sages, Rabba and Rabchistah, except back when we saw it last, they had the opposite opinion. Mi it led Rab Rabchistah, ho'il... Now back then, we saw that someone who cooks on Yom Tov uh, for intention that he was going to eat this for lunch tomorrow on chol—that's a violation of the holiness of Yom Tov. You're not allowed to do that. Would everyone agrees? They're not allowed to do that. Would the person be liable to lashes? Rav says yes. Uh, he violated. He violated cooking on Yom Tov. You're only allowed to cook on Yom Tov for Yom Tov, not for the next day. No, he doesn't get lashes. Why? Amrina and le Since potentially guests could come over and then he would have food to serve them. So although he, the guests are not actually there uh but potential is like actual and therefore even if guests don't come i cooked in mind with the possibility of guests coming therefore you shouldn't do that but you're not liable to lashes and so even if they don't come i don't get lashes says you would give lashes to the person that cooks today uh, uh, too, too much in mind for tomorrow uh, because even though, because it does not apply the principle of ho'il, it doesn't say potential is actual, actual. If there's no guess there, then you can't say there's potential guess there. So you see the problem that Rabbah, in, in the case of Pesach, does not apply ho'il and, uh, and on cooking on Mitov. He does, and afrista, the opposite. So now we're going to have to resolve both of them. Here, in the case of circumcision, it's not really potential. He would actually have to go and and do circumcision. You're missing a major component of an action that you have to do. So you don't say he's potentially circumcised. He's just not circumcised. Whereas, regarding the guests that came, my job is to cook. It's not in my power for the guests to come or not. They have to decide if they want to. And so, therefore, I prepared everything. It's all there, and there, and I don't have to do anything else. If the guests come, they have food. Uh, So I can apply the uh, the principle of potential when there's nothing further that I could do to bring it about. So, but Rav Chista, that's a problem because in uh, the case of Pesach, he does say Ho'il. Since he's not circumcised, he could be circumcised, so he is a, he's within the category. But regarding cooking, he did not apply Ho'il. Oh, Rav Chista made a distinction. Um, he does not apply Ho'il for leniency, so that in the case of cooking, if you apply ho'il, then it doesn't get lashes. No, I don't. I don't. I don't say that potential is like actual to get you off the hook. You have to get punished. But Lechumrah, he would apply it. And in the case of when I when I do shechita, with having in mind, I'm going to sprinkle the korban pesach for the sake of these potential people that are not circumcised now but could be circumcised. When I have that intention, if I include them as in the category, then they're. Sacrifice becomes invalid. That's a chumrah. So I have to worry about ho'il lechumrah, but I cannot rely on it lekula. All right, good. So that, uh, that explains A, that's Rav Ashe's derivation. All right, now we've finished with that. We're going to return to that baraita, not as a proof to this case, um, but just to uh, analyze the comparisons that were, in fact, made in, in that case. And to try to decide, is it we're talking about impure meat or impure people? We're going to go back and forth. Basically, that brought three sets of comparison. Uh, The first is, in what case do you say the part is more lenient than the whole? Like if the whole group is problematic, it's no good. But if some of the people can eat and some people can't eat, then it's okay. right? When do you say that? The second basis of comparison is, things that don't apply to all offerings. um, Because some offerings, there's some things will be permitted and some offerings not. So which are similar? And another category is which which types of uh, problems have no exceptions and which do have exceptions? Okay, So this is the three things that we saw before. Just to remind ourselves for a minute, um, right? we saw that um, when some people are impure in the group, it's valid. Now, this does not apply to all offerings, only some. And in that sense, it might be similar to some people that are uncircumcised. However, for Pigul, that's something that's past this limit. That's invalid. That's a law that has no exceptions. There are no exceptions to the rule that something past limit Well, if I have in mind, to, to slaughter something and eat past this limit, it's invalid. So maybe that should be the similarity with uncircumcised. And that also, uh, well, there are no exceptions. Um, OK, so we could go back and forth to compare these. But now we're just wondering about the basis of comparison. Uh, what type of impurity were we even talking about in the first place? OK, so let's see what they have in mind exactly. In the we, we compared someone who's uncircumcised in which case, if I have them in mind, it's invalid. To someone who's impure, if I have them in mind, also the Kodman Pesach is invalid. Ma tuma loa saba tuma Just like regarding tuma, if it's only some people, it's not like all people. So if it's only some people in the group are tameh, it's okay. Um, so too, Allah, if only some people are uncircumcised, it's not as bad as if everybody in the group is uncircumcised. This, uh, if it's only some, it would be okay. And so we compare these two. So, tuma hechidami. Now I have a question. This tumah that you mentioned, what kind of tumah is it? gavre. That is what we thought, that some of the people are tameh, so they cannot bring Korban Pesach. In what way is it partially okay, but not the whole thing okay? If I have four or five people in the group and I have them in mind, and they're tameh. They're tame. And four or five people in the group and they're tahor. Then it's okay. This Pesach will be valid. Right? That's everything what we said. We prove from that, that since we know it's okay regarding impurity, so too it should be okay regarding a partial group that some of them are uncircumcised. Now, actually, both of these categories, orla and tameh, we know that they are okay based on our Mishnah, because our Mishnah said, Lamulin vela vela kasher. So in the Braita, you were assuming that we knew the law regarding impurity. We don't know the law regarding uh, some, a, a, part, a group that's partially uncircumcised. And, but in fact, both of them are mentioned explicitly in the same Mishnah. So how is, it, how is one any more of a solid foundation than the other that you would assume we know the Tum'ah group but we don't know the Adel group. So therefore, we must have misunderstood something along the way. And in fact, we're not talking about Tameh people, but Tameh meat. basar, right? This lamb, uh, when, after after was slaughtered, came into contact with Tum'ah. Umay And so what do we mean in that case when we said that the part is more lenient than the whole? De'ilu me'ebarim, Well, because if once you uh, separated parts of the animal, if one part becomes Tameh, then you would burn it. But the rest, that's Tahor, you could still eat it. So the concept of parts are more lenient than the whole, that if the whole animal became Tameh, then it's invalid. But if only part of it became invalid, it's OK. And we, that case was not mentioned in the Mishnah, that we know. That's a solid foundation. And that can then be used to derive another case of part is more lenient than whole, which would be circumcision. OK, so we're able to resolve that question by assuming we're talking about impurity of meat. Hold on. my okimta, how did you just establish the braita bitumat basad? But now let's go to the next case and see if you can be consistent with this. We should compare two things that have a similarity that they do not apply Uh, to all all laws, all zevachim, to other things that do not apply to all types of zevachim. And leave out the pigul, if I have in mind outside of its time, because that applies to all zevachim. So now, what are the first two categories we had here? Well, they were um, someone uncircumcised and someone tameh. Those problems are problems for Pesach, because a person has to eat the Korban Pesach, but they are not problems for other korbanot. Because if someone wants to bring a korban chatat and they're tameh, that's fine. They can just appoint someone and say, bring this for me. And that person can do everything. Or if someone's uncircumcised, they can't bring the korban themselves, but they can appoint someone to do it. So therefore, those two are more similar. And that's why we should compare them for leniency and not compare the pigul. That's, the, that's, the, that's what we said. Now basar. Now what kind of tumah is this? If it's talking about impurity of meat, why would you say it does not apply to all sacrifices? All sacrifices would that have would have that same law, um, uh, 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 would would um, uh, would have the same problem that it does apply in all any any zevach, which is impure would be uh, invalid rather, we have to go back to the drawing board and say, no, In this, at least in this clause, we're talking about impure people. And when we say it doesn't apply in all cases, yeah, that's right, most sacrifices... And someone who is Adel Tameh can send their sacrifice with someone else. But regarding Pesach, that doesn't work. They have to bring them together. And so that's why Adel and Tamer are the same. So it makes sense if it's talking about people, not if it's talking about meat. But now we have a problem. Regarding the first comparison, we said it only makes sense if it's talking about impurity of meat. But this second comparison only makes sense if it's talking about impurity of people. Now we have a real inconsistency in the same baraita when it says tum'a as two different definitions from one clause to the next. Two answers. Yeah, there are different types of tum'a, but they're both tum'a, and therefore. They, it's legitimate to bring them all together because they have the same name. They're all all within the category of Tuma. and so I'm just trying to think, consider which law is more similar to this or more similar to that, so I can use the more general category of Tuma as comparison, even though one case, the first case, talking about Tuma and the meat and others talking about Tuma of the people. Or A second answer, if you really like to have consistency. A second comparison also is regarding impurity of meat. And we said that that impurity of meat does not apply to all sacrifices. What do we mean? regarding other achim, as long as some part of it, whether if it was the chilev became tameh, but the, the, but the flesh is okay, and the part that you would eat, or kohen would eat, um, or if it's the meat that be, um, became tameh, and it's the chilev that you put in Mizbeach, that that is still tahor, either way, zorek et hadam. Uh, it's, it's a valid Qurban, and you can still bring the blood. So the partial is, is more lenient than the whole. However, the pesach, itma ubasar kayam, zore ketadam, itma basar kayam, and no zore but pesach is not the same. So you can't say that it applies to all Zevachim, because it does not apply in Pesach the same way. Uh, regarding Korban Pesach, if the Chalev became impure and but the meat was still pure and edible, then you can still sprinkle the blood, it's a valid sacrifice. But if the meat, the edible part of the meat, became tameh, no good, because korban Pesach is unique in that it must be eaten. Someone has to eat a kezayit of the meat. And so, um, therefore, we can even apply the category that we're applying in the second comparison to impure meat, which also does not apply to all zevachim equally. All right, good. Now we're going to get to the third uh, clause. okimta. What did we just establish? V'tumat Basa? The first and second clauses we can explain best according as impure meat emasefa. What about the last comparison? We're going to compare one thing that um, has no exceptions. Uh, to another thing that has no exceptions from the rule to the rule, but Tuma does have an exception. Right? We said if everybody's tame, then you're allowed to bring a, a korban, uh, even because everybody's or most people are tameh. Then you don't have to worry about people being tame. like korban Pesach. Nowadays, technically, we could bring it. Okay. What kind of impurity? If you're talking about impurity of meat, when did what, what exception is there regarding impurity of meat that it would be okay? So this has to be. Impurity of people. When do we see an exception to the rule? Um, When the community as a whole, most people are impure. So most people are pure, and one, two, three people, minority people are impure, they're out. But the exception to that rule is if most people are impure, then it's permitted. So there you go. That makes sense if it's talking about people. Impurity of people. So the first two clauses we established, work best as impurity of meat. But the last clause has to be impurity of people. And again, we have an inconsistency in the breitah. So what are we going to do about that? Two answers, in shem tumaka parich. It is inconsistent. The first two clauses, the first one has to be meat. The second one we said could go this way or that way, depending on the answer. The third one has to be people. That's okay. We're comparing. The, uh, the concept, the general category of impurity. And within that, we can mix and match subcategories, because they all are the same thing. Um, but if you really uh, are a stickler for being consistent, we have a, a final answer. <laughs> In fact, even in the purity of meat, there is an exception to the rule when it comes to Koban Pesach. If a Koban Pesach is brought and the meat itself becomes impure, it can be eaten in, 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 in impurity because. That was uh, the whole point of the Pesach is that it must be eaten. So you don't want it to be impure. But if it is, it is still a valid sacrifice. So you see, even in meat impurity, there is an exception. And so now we're able to um, explain all three comparisons in that breita, that when it talk, says impurity, it's talking about impurity of the meat, not of the people. OK, um, good. Now um, uh, we have a question. Okay, this is now a new case altogether. Um, and uh, this is a miscategorized sacrifice that's not on the 14th, right? Remember we said that um, if you bring something on the 14th, then you have to designate it as a Pesach sacrifice and have in mind that you're doing all the steps as a Pesach sacrifice. If it's not on the 14th, however, then you have to have an invalidating intention. You have to have in mind that this is a Shalamim. So that will undo the original Pesach designation uh, during the rest of the year. Okay, so now we're going to see another case like that. Um, ha sheavra shenato, u so a Korban Pesach has to be a less than one year old. That's the law. So what if I had something, I designated it as a, as a Korban Pesach, but then I waited and waited. I didn't bring it on, the, on Pesach. And now um, by time the next Pesach came around, it's more than a year old. So I did Shechita Bizmano on the 14th of Nisan. And I had in mind, this will be a Korban Pesach. The problem is the animal is not the right type. It's more than a year old. What, what happens? Can it just default to a shalamim? Second case, v'chen the acherim pesach bizmano. Or if I take a different offering, an offering that I, I designated at first as a shalamim, and then I do shechita on the 14th of, of Nisan as a korban pesach. Is that also okay and will default as a shalamim? can't be a pesach because I didn't designate it as a pesach. But is it invalid altogether or is it valid as a shelamim? Mach-loket. Rabbi posel. Rabbi Yeshua mach-shir. Okay, we understand Rabbi is posel. it's not the right kind. You mixed and matched, right? It was, uh, it was the animal type for something else. And you said that's going to be a pe- Korban Pesach. And it's on the 14th. So um, it's no good. But Rabbi Yeshua says it's okay. Why? Um, it seems that according to Rabbi Yeshua, from the fact that there was something off about it, that actually is helpful um, because uh, because it was either too old or was the wrong kind. It doesn't matter that I said it's going to be a korban pesach. Um, that doesn't doesn't effectuate anything. It doesn't matter. It would be the same if I did it any other day of the year. In which case, um, the, the misdesignation is actually could be could be helpful. And uh, korban amim, uh is a catch-all, and it can default to to be that and is valid. Okay, so now. Regarding this, they only argued regarding a case when I did Shechita on the 14th. That means in the rest of the year, if I take this animal that I had designated as a Quran Pesach, but it got too old, or if I designate it as a Shalamim, but now I do Shechita as a Pesach. Both of these as a Pesach, but it's not the 14th, then Kashed. Even a Beliezer would agree it's Kashed because it's not Pesach. So whatever I say, that it's korban Pesach, it's nonsense. We can ignore it. But why? Why does everyone agree it's okay? The Balieaz should have the principle of Ho'il. Potential is like actual. And so to here, since potentially, if it was the 14th of Nisan be Pasul, then why don't we say, now also, that it's not the 14th, um, should it also be Pasul? That is this question, why don't we apply the concept of Ho'il? Damar Pesach Hu Hu Velo Lishmo. So he explains the reason why the Biel Yezin would make a difference is because the Pasuk says, On Pesach, on Erev Pesach, you say this is korban Pesach, You have to designate it as Korban Pesach. But this law only applies on the 14th when we are making korban Pesach. So in that case, since it makes sense that I need to designate something as Korban Pesach, if I designate an animal as Korban Pesach that's not a good animal, then it's going to be invalid. But the rest of the year where there's no, there's, I'm not designating anything because of Korban Pesach, there's no mitzvah to do that. That designation does not effectuate at all. So only it, Beha and not when it's uh, for the sake of something else, and not when it's something else for its sake, meaning the rest of the year, when it's a shelamim or an older offering, if I do a 4 Korban Pesach, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, now, bizmano oh, pasul acherim, acherim She'lo acherim, acherim We're just filling out the proof uh, there that on Pesach itself, um, when if I have in mind a different type of korban, it's no good. I have to have in mind korban Pesach. So on Pesach itself, other animals that I make for Pesach, a shelamim that I make for Pesach, is also going to be pasul because there's an analogy between those. When it's not bismano, and in that case you kashel um, that if I take a Pesach and I have in mind that this will be a shelamim, that's good. I actually need to do that. So too a shelamim or an older animal that I designate le-Pesach is also okay. And so that's his derivation why it's why it's permitted. All right, so we got the halakha, and now that halakha is going to, this, this case is going to come up within a story, um, but the story itself is uh, independent and encompasses other interesting aspects. So here's the story. Nebi uh, Simlai. he was famous for his agadah, first generation amora. He's famous for saying that there are tariyag mitzvot. He's the first one to say that. Um, anyway, another thing he did is, de Rebi Yohanan. He says, Will you please teach me the book of genealogy? The book of genealogy, we don't have this book anymore, but this seems to be a midrash on the Tanakh. Whenever the Tanakh gives genealogies um, and gives names of people, especially in divrei Amim, where a lot of it is just chapters and chapters of names. And everybody, you know, we wonder today, what's the purpose of all these names? Why do we need to know that? They're not mostly famous people. They don't come up again. Right? What's the holiness? What's the, uh, the long-term prophetic need to know these names? So Sefer Yochasin is a midrash that interprets all those names allegorically. They're not referring to specific actual people. They're referring to concepts. And so this is a very deep midrash and very difficult because every name has another meaning. Okay. So he says, please teach me this complex book. Amalei Mehechanat. says, where are you from? I'm from Lod, right? Where the airport is. But this was actually a very old city in Israel. That's where I'm from in the south, in, the, in Judea. And where do you live now? I live in Bavail. I have a rule. We have a principle that we don't teach things to people from Lod or to people from the And you are disqualified on both counts. Right? You're not worthy. So uh, he said, no, I'm not teaching you. But the student was persistent. <laughs> he forced him. He wouldn't let him go. No, you got to teach me. You got to teach me. Yohanan says, finally, says, okay, I will teach you Sefer Hassin, even though I don't think you're going to handle it. Then once the teacher agreed, the student said, I want you to teach me the whole thing in three months. Now the student already has demands on the teacher, right? You got to teach me. I want to do the whole thing quickly. Shekal kala petak Ber. be'er. Biohanan took some earth and threw it in his face. Right? He's insulted. Le oma beruria debitu derbi meir. Betatel be'hananya ben terajon. Detanya telat mea shematata bioma. Mitelat mee rabafta. Says, What you think you can learn all this material in three months? Compare yourself to beruria. That was she was the wife of Rabbi Meir, the great Tana the, the daughter of Rabbi Khan ben Telajon, one of the martyrs killed by the Romans, and uh, we learned that she um, she studied right, she, who studied three hundred uh, traditions in a day from three hundred sages, right? She was able to incorporate so much study, right? Three hundred times three hundred. Um, I guess it's on 300 days. She learned 300 things from different rabbis each on a day. And she was able to memorize each and every, uh, all of it and uh, absorb it. So you see how brilliant she was. And yet when she came to study the book of Yohassin, she could not do it in three years. Right? That took her. Um, and even that was not enough for her. And you, who surely are not on the level of Biruria, you can't learn all that much. You, There's no way that you can do it in three months. This is silly. And so he said, get out of here. Okay. So uh, Rabbi Simlai, he ruined his chance, but he didn't want to spend so long studying it anyway. So while Rabbi Simlai was walking out, he says, let me not leave empty-handed. Let me at least learn something from Rabbi Ochanan. Okay, I have a question just about a halacha. What's the difference in our Mishnah uh, that we just that we just learned previously? um, It says if I have in mind and when I do shechita, I have in mind that this will be for Korban Pesach and not for Korban Pesach. Um, I have a mixed message. That's invalid. But if I have in mind, I'm going to do shechita for some people who can eat it. And some people who are too sick and they cannot eat a kezayit. In that case, it's okay. What's the difference? Rabbi Yochanan says, oh, I will answer your question. I can tell from your question that you're a thinker, you're a sage, and uh, you're worthy to teach. So this I will teach you. Ta ve Lishmo be uh, regarding uh, intention of, this is Pesach or not a Pesach, that's an invalidation in the body of the animal, the, in the definition of this animal. Is it going to be, what kind of korban is it? Pesach or not? That's a big problem. But when I have in mind those who will eat it, that's an external problem. It's not internal to the, to the animal, but happens to be those, there are some people I had in mind who cannot eat it. That is easier to ignore. Um, it's not a problem in the animal itself. That's why that's more, uh, that's more, um, more lenient. A second thing is going to bring uh, a second difference. Uh, regarding, as I say, this is a Pesach, and it's not a Pesach. So the animal itself, I can't go and take it apart and say, well, this leg is for Pesach, but this bone is not for Pesach. It's the whole thing. I can't separate the pure, the, the proper and improper parts. But if I have in mind the whole group of people, I know these four people can eat. These four people are not capable of eating. And so I can separate them out and I can exclude them. And that's why I can be more lenient in that case. Furthermore, Regarding having the improper intention of what kind of korban it is, Pesach or not, I have to have proper intention in all four of the activities I do, slaughtering, receiving, carrying, and sprinkling the blood. Whereas regarding, the, um, regarding who, it, who I'm doing it for, that does not apply to all, to all the people. Um, because it doesn't matter. When I'm sprinkling, the sprinkling has nothing to do with the eating. So if I have sprinkling in mind for people who can't eat it, it doesn't matter. So that's another way in which it's more lenient. Uh, Also, The first one applies both to communal sacrifices and to individual uh, sacrifices. Uh, when if I have in mind those who can eat and those who cannot eat, because uh, and the communal sacrifices also are can be eaten. However, um, right, sorry, when I have in mind that this with the category of what type of korban it is, that will invalidate no matter what kind of korban it is. If it's a korban tamid, which is a communal sacrifice, and I have in mind it's going to be something else, that's invalid so that the wrong type of uh, animal the wrong type of korban invalidates in all cases whereas if I have in mind the wrong eaters and someone that's something that's a korban, has no owner and so therefore I've ha- so I have in mind that those those three people will eat it doesn't matter It's, it com- it's communal belongs to everybody and if it's one that can be there must be in those who can eat it will eat it um, not not uh, uh, so it does not apply Qurban only applies to Korban Yahid, where it's that individual that would have to eat it, like Korban Pesach. Okay, so that was a good answer, right? Rabbi Yochanan brought several differences to explain the, the, the question of Rabbi Simlai. Excellent. Now that we have that, Ab makes an observation. Although he made a whole list of derivations, actually two of them, are in fact the same thing. Um, when you say that it's uh, uh, the, the invalidation and in here is in the body of the animal and the fact that you cannot separate um, one part from the other—that's actually the same thing. It's because of the, the one. One necessitates the other, right? Why do we say that it's inherent in the animal? Because it's all the whole animal is now designated as the wrong thing, not any one part of it. So I can't separate one thing and the other. As opposed to when it's people, then I can separate these people. are Okay, these people are not okay. Okay, good. Amadame. Uh, now that you mention this book of Yochassim, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, that from the time that it was hidden, um, it was hidden, I, people were misunderstanding it, perhaps the allegories were, were too out there, and it was leading people to take other things allegorically, and so they hid this away and didn't teach it anymore. And so since that time the strength of the sages has been weakened and the light of their eyes has been dimmed right so you know maybe they had to uh, hide it away but we also lost a lot of important material there uh, to uh, unfortunately Amar Morzutra ben le asel teinu alba just as one example between these two pisukim in divrei amim uh, 838, it mentions, uh, it mentions the word atzel, uh, where it says, uh, atzel had six sons, and names the sons, okay, and later in the next chapter, 944, has the same pasuk, Atsel had six sons, so first of all, why are these uh, pasukim repetition, uh, repeating themselves, um, and actually, even within the pasuk, it starts with atzel, and ends with atzel, so he says, this one section of names, that used to have 400 camel loads of explanations. If you'd write them down, it would take 400 camels to carry all of the explanations we had just for this short section of words. That's how much Torah was there. That's why it took so long to explain it, uh, more than three years, Um, but that's how much we lost from, uh, from this fantastic Torah. All right. We don't have the we don't have the book of Yochasin, but at least we have these stories that tell us something about the book of Yochasin. <speaking> Baruch <Hebrew> Amen.